This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by Nick Horwat in an office setting right now. He's looking like he is living large there, where he is house-sitting, but how are you, Horwat? House-sitting. Uh, doing good. I'm on my second uh, free coffee of the day. <laughs> Shout out to uh, National Coffee Day. It's a hell of a time to be alive, and I'm currently putting sauce on my sandwich because I haven't eaten yet. Coffee is one hell of a drug, isn't it? Oh, caffeine's amazing. (laughs) It's the only thing getting me through uh, life at the moment. Well, hopefully, with hockey (laughs) less than two weeks away from regular season hockey, hopefully that helps a little bit too. That keeps you awake. That keeps you energized. But for right now, I mean, I'm pretty energized with the regular or with the preseason, I should say. So we'll get into the Penguins' preseason loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets in a minute. But we do have some negative news to start off the show with. Obviously, if you're a Penguins fan, if you follow them on social media, you already know this. Zach Aston Reese tested positive for COVID-19 and is currently still in the NHL protocol for COVID-19. The Penguins coming into camp had one unvaccinated player. And right now they said he even has his first shot. Whoever the unvaccinated player is, they have not released it. And they're just waiting on him to get his second shot. And that might carry over a little bit into the regular season. But Zach Aston Reese himself is vaccinated. So that's not an issue of he was unvaccinated, he got COVID-19. No, he was vaccinated. He still tested positive on the COVID-19 protocol. And there really hasn't been any additional positive tests. I know they had an off day on Tuesday and Wednesday as we're recording this. They have still not came out and said that there's any more positive tests. So, I mean, it's a good sign. It seems like it's a one-off for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And technically... This is the first in-season positive test for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's the first test that we're all aware of, or first positive test we're all aware of. Um, they had a couple players because, in early camp. Uh, even I think it was before training camp started. They had like seven players, including Hornquist. Okay. But that was a while yeah, ago. Back in like that, the, that was back right in before the bubble. the bubble. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know uh, if any of the names came out for that, but um, at least I didn't remember. But... Yeah, it's the first one we're really hearing of, the first one that we're really uh, aware of, and it's a breakthrough case, which usually aren't as severe or serious, mm-hmm. which is always good, and usually means they'll be back a little bit sooner than if you had it for real um, without a vaccination. So, hey, it's good, and like a, and like we'd mentioned before, about to be at 100% vaccination rate is tip-top. You love to see that. Yeah. Um, because actually it's going to be really interesting going into the year when Bill Daly said, what, 15 players might not be vaccinated by the start of the season? The number was, the the number was, there was 15 heading into training camp. There was only 15 that weren't vaccinated, including like the Penguins had one, but they're waiting on him to get a second vaccination. They expect there to only be four or five unvaccinated players to start the NHL season. And Zach Ronaldo is one of them. Zach Ronaldo (laughs) is not even at training camp. He was, he was told not to come. Yeah, he got. Yeah, he was basically outright cut, which is kind mm-hmm. of fun. But also, I think that may have been more than just his stance on vaccines. Apparently, there was uh, <clears throat> other things going on for him. Yikes, big yikes. But, yeah, so, hey, it, it's not a big deal, guys. It's, I mean, he'll be okay. You know, hopefully it's not. It's just a breakthrough case. Usually, it's way milder. It's um, good that they're all going to be vaccinated. And now it's just the fans' turns to be vaccinated in the building. And management's turns. I guess we don't know. Yeah, we have no idea, and we're Um, never going to know. Yeah, that one we're not going to know. I know some teams have said, like, hey, our coaching staff and management squad are all Mm -hmm. also fully vaccinated. So um, while that one's not as important because they're not the ones on the ice doing the things, uh, it's still kind of important from our perspective, I feel like, because you want to see the leaders of your organization lead by that example. Um, so I'm interested to see if they will ever announce that. Mm-hmm. It's not the biggest of deals, but I'm curious. And overall, I mean, Zach Astorius misses a couple of preseason games. It's okay, guys. Yeah, it, it doesn't really affect the regular season, and it's not going to affect the regular season as of right now. At least it seems that. 
when you talk about front office, when you talk about coaching staffs, equipment staffs, I think it's, it is a big deal. I, I don't think you can mm-hmm. kind of, you, you can't really lessen the impact because they're guys that don't play because they are part of the traveling party that travels with these guys all over this country and all over Canada. So I, it is important. I feel like I've seen a lot of, like, I, I know Mike Sullivan got his vaccination last year because we saw it on, I believe in the room. So we don't know exactly who has it. I don't really care who exactly who has it. Like, I don't, I don't need to be keeping track of it. It's not that big of a deal to me. I I'm, I'm assuming a lot of them are going to do it and, or have already. But when it comes to the COVID-19 protocol this year, it's going to be a lot less of an issue than it was last season. Cause last season it decimated some teams. I mean, you look at the fact that Vancouver and Calgary had basically a five game series during the playoffs when neither of them were playoff teams. I mean, that that's just kind of a microcosm of what it caused last year. So luckily this year, we probably won't have to deal with it nearly as much. Mm-hmm. No, it'll be good. I mean, a lot of the players are getting it taken care of. I thought, I honestly thought it was quite shocking that I forget who it was that put out the names mm-hmm. of uh, players who yeah, are like McKenzie, Zach Arnold, was, Mackenzie Blackwood, I believe was the, is the one, one that actually came out and said it himself. Okay. That's fair then. Um, which is also another wild, interesting thing. I, that's a, ballsy move whenever you're looking across the league and you're seeing teams outright even across leagues in the nfl they're outright firing and cutting people because of they're not of their vaccination status uh, so i mean i mean you also don't know why he's not vaccinated there 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 could be a serious health reason i have no idea i'm mm-hmm. not gonna get into the mckenzie blackwood situation simply because i am not apprised of the entire situation there right it, but i feel like if you were to come out and say you're not vaccinated don't you think you'd follow it up with there's a reason mm. I don't because know. apparently William Nylander didn't have it because of an allergy reason, but was wait, but eventually did. He does have it now. I forget how the whole thing he, went, but he was slow with it for a health. He wasn't going to get it because it different. was going to make, there was a possibility that it could have made his allergies worse and he could have had a worse reaction. And then once the NHL came out and said, if you miss games because of this, and you're not vaccinated, you're going to lose money. And he said, you know, the, the, the smart decision at that point is, all right, I'll get my vaccination. That That's yeah. what happened in the William Nylander situation. Just, just pop a few extra Claritin. It's okay. <laughs> well, again, that's why I mean, you never know, especially with, yeah. with health issues and stuff like that. I know these guys are, are elite athletes, but you, know, you, you never know what's going on inside somebody else's life. But let's not dive too deeply into that, I don't think. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, and furthermore, like, yeah, these are star athletes, t- tip-top shape that we'll ever see in the literal peak human form. Mm-hmm. This is an unpredictable va- virus. Yeah. We've seen this all. We've seen that already. Apparently, it decimated Freddie. Freddie Freeman. I'm not exactly from the, the, the Braves player. Yeah, it's Freddie Freeman. Yeah, he said apparently he struggled with it, and we saw uh, Marco Rossi not play a whole season yeah. because of it. So, it's an unpredictable virus that we really don't know. So you just have to take it seriously, um, and you do also have to take yourself seriously mm-hmm. because, you know, if you are in tip-top shape, sure. The virus might not affect you as bad. It is about the health of others, but I mean, if you can bowl through it because you know because the vaccine would have made other things worse, that's your prerogative. Yeah. That's a health reason. Sure, we still want everyone to be vaccinated, but everyone's got their own reasons. Mm-hmm. I.e., still, hey, get vaccinated. Let's just leave it at that and move yeah. on. Uh, we made it eight and a half minutes into this podcast without mentioning the fact that this is the season two premiere, or no, sorry, hell yeah, not premiere. This is the season two finale. The season three premiere is next Monday because once the <clears> clock <throat> turns to October and the calendar turns to October, we're turning to season three of the tip of the iceberg. So clearly a lot to come in season three. We already have a couple guests lined up for the first two weeks. I'm not going to spoil it right now. We'll, we'll mention it at the end of the episode who our guest is going to be on next Monday's episode. So stay tuned for that. But this is the season two finale. Uh, not too many bells and whistles in this episode. We do have shout outs and call outs as we do almost every Thursday coming up later. And then we're going to review right now the Pittsburgh Penguins first preseason game. And the first time we get to see the Pittsburgh Penguins since their loss to the New York Islanders in the last year's playoffs. Not much when it comes to actual storylines through this game you didn't expect as much there weren't that many great players playing on either side of the puck and they're speaking of not much there was not much attendance for a monday night preseason opener no no there may have been more people at the show at stage ae it was the it was sublime with rome in case anyone was curious 
Uh, but hey, you're not hitting the panic button like I am. You know what? No, I might be time to hit the panic button. We got shut out by a team that's probably going to be last in the league. And, you know, it, it, it was the preseason. Not the league, sorry. The last in the division. And, you know, couldn't score a goal. We put, Our starting goaltender put, played. I don't know. We put all this talk in... And, you know, pumping the tires of these prospects. <laughs> Apparently Nathan Liger and Cam Lee both looked great, though, which is what we want to hear. And, of course, we're joking about the panic yeah. button. The panic switch doesn't even... The, the panic button doesn't even get looked at until at least November, guys. Yeah, the, even the uh, flashing lights to let us know where it's at, it's not even on until October. So we, we still got a yeah, couple the, days. The switch... The, the lock is still on that yep. case. You know, button, big buttons have that yeah. case. The lock is still on that. Don't worry. I'm sure guys. a couple people knocked on it whenever we got the Crosby injury news, but you know what? It still doesn't work. It doesn't work yet. <laughs> they have the wrong code. Exactly. But I mean, realistically, yeah, they lose three to nothing. You look at what we saw in the game, obviously Kasperi Captain, probably the highest profile player for the Pittsburgh Penguins playing. He looked like Kasperi Captain should look in the first preseason game against the competition he was playing. No, he didn't score a goal, but he was clearly one of the best, if not the best player out there. And he looked as much. So all things looking good on that aspect. I think kind of the biggest thing when it came to decision-making that I saw was Pierre-Olivier Joseph. And the fact that he played five-on-five as a top line, as a top pairing guy. He played penalty kill minutes. He played power play minutes. He led the team with 22 minutes and seven seconds of time on ice. And like I mentioned earlier, he was on the top D pairing. He played with John Marino. So it's pretty telling that they're giving POJ the opportunity to show them something. They're giving him the time to go out there and show them what he is going to be like this season. And possibly, who knows, maybe because they want him to be on this team out of camp or maybe because they want to get a, a good look before they ship him down to Wilkes-Barre to start the season. <laughs> Either way, it's good that he got all the play, playing time and he looked good. So I couldn't, like I mentioned, there was a show at Stage E that may have had more people than that pvg paints range so i couldn't see it i watched maybe a couple minutes of a stream of the stream um and what i picked up from it was nathan liger a looks really fast so it's yeah i'm assuming you watched the whole or at least most, most of the game, of the game or yeah. highlights or something cool yeah so i didn't know nothing about the uh poj stuff i was ready to jump into nathan liger a talk because i guess he looked good looked fast yeah he was able to create some opportunities for the penguins in the offensive zone and and when you say and we talked about it on on monday's episode what we were looking for in that game one of the things we mentioned is sam poulan and nathan legaray haven't had the penguins crest on their chest in a game action since 2019 during the preseason there so the difference between seeing legaray play on monday versus what he played like two years ago you can definitely see the strides he's taken as far as you know no pun intended, as far as his skating ability. Yeah, and it's good to see that pump. Mm -hmm. It's He's fighting for a spot yeah. now. You know, I think going into the season, we were all talking of, yeah, Poulin and Legare will probably start in the minors, and that might be the best for them. And it still if, might yeah, be. I think it still probably will be. Yeah, but if they're coming into this to these preseason games and playing really well and performing at the level that we think they can be, if they can fight for a spot, you just hope it doesn't turn into another Drew O'Connor situation where um, they get thrust into this and it kind of all falls apart. But again, I'm going to give Drew O'Connor the benefit of the doubt. He didn't have a preseason. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he had to jump right into game speed out of the taxi squad. So a little bit of a different situation, whereas Poulin and Legare now have a preseason to really show what they're made of. And I think from the few minutes that I've watched – I saw Legere just turnstile someone. Again, didn't lead to a goal, but boomed it right past the right defender. Of I don't know. I don't know the names of these blue jackets, <laughs> but um, whatever minor league player that was on the ice at that time, he boomed right past him. So it's um, impressive to see that speed translated to more than just um, the camp that I saw him in. Yeah, so that was also something that we I, I liked there. There was a couple other things that I saw. Obviously, the Penguins power play, when you get five opportunities and you score on none, it's not going to be a good sign. But again, don't hit the panic button. Look who was out there. Probably yeah. zero of the five guys that we're going to have out there on the first power play unit to start the season. Possibly Kapanen. Possibly yeah. Kapanen. And then POJ, yeah, he, he was out there. But at the same time, again, look at the other guys that were on the ice. 
and it's the first preseason game also, so grain of salt there. It's not time to hit a panic button, and I don't think that many people are. We're joking about it pretty heavily on the show. But yeah. you would have liked to at least, one, score a goal at all, so the, the few people that did show up could actually celebrate. And two, when you get five power play opportunities, you would hope that you could get one in. Yeah, you got to still do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the preseason games, yeah, they don't matter too much, but you still got to do something, especially when a lot of these guys are fighting for positions in the in the organization. Yeah. It's more than just fighting for your NHL spot. It's fighting for your spot in the AHL or see so yeah, you're getting shipped to Wheeling, I think somehow. Uh, yeah. Um it's really depends or if you're in Brian Boyle's case, yet yeah, well, good luck finding another team. Which by the way, how did he look? And a lot of people Fine. were hard on Brian Boyle because he was a little bit of a, a slower start, and it doesn't seem like his skating was all there. But also, I mean, the guy didn't play hockey last year. <laughs> the, the guy was never really fleet of foot to begin with, and he didn't play hockey last year. Let's let's let, let him get up to speed. I thought he was, I mean, clearly one of the biggest guys out there. But I I didn't hate his game. I didn't love his game. I thought he played okay. There was nothing that shocked me about his game. And there was also nothing that I thought was really, really bad about his game. So, I mean, I didn't really even notice him that much, to be completely honest with you. The other things that are really noticed, and it, it was only a couple of plays, and this might be nitpicking, but it, it was something that, if it continuously comes into my brain, I have to mention it. There are a couple of plays where players held onto the puck a little too long. In favor of a shot, uh-huh. they held onto the puck, kind of got trapped where they couldn't make a pass, couldn't get a shot off. And I know two players specifically that I can remember. Yusa Rikula did that once. He had an opportunity. He kind of walked it in. And instead of shooting the puck, he ended up, I believe, having to take it behind the net. And I just, I didn't understand why he didn't rip a shot there. And also I saw Sam Poulin do the same thing. Like I said, multiple other players did it. Those are the two that I remember. And it's also a thing of, this is the first preseason game. You're going to have some mental lapses. You haven't been in camp all that long. You haven't been in season all that long, I understand it. And it's nitpicking, I get it, but it is something I noticed. And the other thing is, you didn't even have to watch the game. If you look at the box score and realize the Penguins were down one to nothing going into the third period, and then you get outshot 11 to six in the third period, that's not good. You need a little bit better of an effort in a third period when you come in trailing. So other than that, I mean, we'll talk about goalie play here in a second, but other than that, not really much to speak of on Monday. I know they have another preseason game on Friday, the day after this airs, and they're playing against Buffalo in Buffalo. So we'll get another chance to see a lot of these players play. Yeah. And have you looked at the training camp teams for today that were set up and what are you taking from that? Because I genuinely haven't looked too deep at it and I don't really know what it means, but um, it kind of looks like separating the pros from the minors a little bit i think i have not actually seen it i i I did see that they posted it and i had noticed that it was two teams instead of three now which as we'll talk about they cut 11 players but realistically let me try to find it really quickly i don't know where it's at it it's not on their twitter i just found it through seth rorabaugh's twitter it's a couple of tweets down because looks like he's at whatever camp they're having today let me double check that really quick this is riveting radio by the way yeah sorry guys but uh for what it's worth teams were split into two and it looks like team one looks like the nhl ish roster and team two looks like the ahl ish roster again mm-hmm. movement movement can still be had yeah but yeah this is kind of what people were talking about uh for the last, this tweet was made four hours yeah. ago, so for like the last couple hours. Yeah, no, it makes sense. You do have most of the big league squad on Team 1. You see a guy like Drew O'Connor on Team 1 as well, a guy like Brian Boyle on Team 1 and Dom Simone. Listen, those guys are the guys that have had NHL experience. I mean, Drew O'Connor played for the Penguins last year. Dom Simone played for the Penguins a couple seasons back. And Brian Boyle, over 800 NHL games played, so not surprised at all. The guys on, on the... The younger squad there. First of all, I hadn't heard anything about Casper Bjorkvist throughout training camp. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. I, I was wondering if he was even there. I had to look, to be completely honest. But, I mean, he's on Team 2. You have the young guys, Poulin, Legeray, Hollander, all on Team 2. And then the only guy that is down there that's pretty telling, other than Zahorna, who is apparently absent from practice today, is yep. Sam Lafferty. 
who's fighting for a spot, probably fighting with a guy like Dom Simone, fighting with a guy like Drew O'Connor, he's on Team 2. Now, whether or not that's actually what they're doing with Team 1 and Team 2, it's what it seems like it, and that's what I can deduce from it. It's kind of just what it's kind of just the assumption people are drawing on Twitter. Um, but it does make sense if you look at it. I mean, you have your young up-and-comers like Poulin, like uh, Lagare, like P.O. Joseph on Team 2 all with guys like Louis Domingue, who we expect to kind of be there in the minors. Like, uh, who else? Who else would be down there? Will Riley. Cam Lee. Uh, Robert. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of expected that that's what it looks like. It's just interesting that um, I thought Joseph was a telling one because we're all expecting him to fight for a spot. Now putting him on Team 2, it says something. I mean, t- t- to me, I feel like we don't it's... expect him to be. I-, I-, I don't have that expectation anymore. I okay. wouldn't be surprised if he goes down to the minors to start the season because what happens if you start him in the NHL? And he doesn't play well. Then you have to send him back to the minors. Start him there. Let him get started. See what you have in the NHL with these other guys. Whether that be a Ruedel, whether that be a Ricola or a Friedman. You have options. All three, all three of those guys on Team 1. I think that's the part that I yeah. was kind of getting at. But and, yeah. and you, it's you see the way that they play P.O. Joseph. They, it, I mean, and I said it earlier in the podcast. They might be playing him that way and playing him with that many minutes. Because they want to get a really good look before they send him down to Wilkes-Barre. That wasn't actually a joke. I'm, yeah. I'm serious. That might be why they're playing him that much. They want to see how he can handle it because they know they're going to send him down to Wilkes-Barre and they trust their scouts, but you love seeing things firsthand. And if you're Mike Sullivan, why not let the kid go out and do that? I mean, yeah, the guy has been playing a little bit with Chris Letang here in training camp, and a lot of people are making a lot, of, a lot out of that, but... Let's not try to rush it. We don't have that many prospects. We have a pretty deep core of defensemen right now. If he needs a little bit more time, that's all right. It's fine. You don't have to rush him up. He's going to be an NHLer for a while once he gets here for good. And and a lot of people want to rush that. A lot of people want to see him in the NHL. And I'm included in that. But I think he starts the season in Wilkes-Barre. And I think seeing him on Team 2 there just kind of helps to that decision. Yeah. Would you like to also read down the line pairs, the lines and pairs from the practice today? Um, I, I want to, or at least, at least from what it looks like, that's team yeah, one. Yeah, I, I do want to close out the preseason game just quickly talking about yep. the goaltending play. Tristan Jari did get the start and played the first thirty minutes of the game in his all new black pad setup. Which Horwat, do you like the black pads? I know you didn't watch much of the game, but I assume you've seen the pads. I definitely saw them, and I like different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's we need to stop just wearing white man it's just hey everything's all like when flurry changed out his uh yellow pads for all white i think it was okay that's way less interesting now but and then that's what he stuck with i think this addition of color is cool i i will say like all black is kind of it's a little too much for me i do like pop like i'm a fan of uh jerseys and uniforms with a lot going on Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm trying to think about, like, the Kraken one's great because there's, like, four different blues and a red all of a yeah. sudden. Like, I like there's a lot going on, whereas, like, Detroit's, and aside from their logo that has a lot of detail, boring-ass jersey. There's something red to be said about stripe. the classicness of a Detroit Red Wings jersey, Horwath, but I, I, will, I will not there go is. deep into that. There is, but I, I, like, I like stuff with a lot going on. So, goaltending goal pads, goalie pads with a lot going on, I like. There's not a bunch going on on Jari's, but I like that it's something different. It's yeah. fresh. Let's, that's what's great about it. Well, hopefully it helps him to get a better season this year. I don't care what yes. pad you're wearing. As long as your stats are, are padded, that's that's what I, I care about. Now, on Monday, he had eight saves on nine shots in total, but in the first period, he had one goal allowed on only two shots. Not a lot of work to be spoken of. The goal that he gave up was glove side. It was a little bit of a weak goal, but I don't know if he necessarily saw it, so I'm not going to hold it against him. Realistically, it was it was not much work for Tristan Jari. And then in the second half of the game, we got to see Philip Lindbergh in relief. His first appearance in the Penguins organization, he makes 12 saves on 13 shots. The goal that he did allow was from Adam Boakvist, who's an actual NHL player, so it's not like he gave up a goal from an AHL guy. But also, it's not his. it, it wasn't really his fault. I mean, if you look at that play... Chad Ruedel was failed to clear the puck. 
and then was out of position because he chased it afterwards because he was trying to help Kasperi Kapanen on the wall. They lost that puck battle. And then while Cam Lee did have a good game, I did have a little bit of an issue on this play. He needs to be able to stop that pass from behind the net. Alex Texier, he, he passed it from behind the net, went right to Bokefist, and Bokefist put it top shelf. But at the same time, Cam Lee needs to be able to get down in that position. He's young. You can't hold it against mm-hmm. him. It's just one bad play that leads to a goal, and and you're standing there. So clearly, it, it, it doesn't take a genius to say, it's probably on you for, for not stopping that pass. But I mean, realistically, Lindbergh, I thought he made a few nice saves. I, I thought altogether a lot of the Penguins players that have played well in camp, that translated, and they played well in Columbus. But at, at the end of it, you gave up two actual goals, and they were from two of Columbus's better players in Igor Chinnikov and Adam Bokefist. I don't hate the game. It's a preseason game. It after this, I'm probably gonna forget about it completely. But it, but realistically, it was fun to watch hockey again. That's all that matters, right? Just watching yes. hockey again. If you want to run down before, actually, I'll run down the roster cuts. Then you can run down the lineups, and, and we'll discuss it really quickly before we head to break. But the Penguins did cut 11 players this week and send them down to different places. They sent seven players to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton training camp. That's Sam Hood or Hootie. I never really got it. Hood. Who had really good hands yeah. uh, through camp. I, so. I, I never got a pronunciation correction on that. So Sam, H-O-U-D-E. He was sent down to Wilkes-Barre. Justin Almeida, Jan Drozig, Chris Bigris, Chris Met- uh, Marizier Ortiz, Josh Maniscalco, and Tommy Napier were all sent to Wilkes-Barre. And then four players were sent back to their junior teams. Lucas Svechkovsky, Josh Williams, Isaac Beliveau, and Ryan McCleary. That leaves 48 players still on the Penguins roster right now. So 25 cuts remain with 12 days until the season opener. Yeah. That's, again, a bunch of names that we expected to not. Yeah. I think Maniscalco going early is a little bit of a surprise because he's probably the name that yeah. jumps out. But realistically, he wasn't going to make the roster. Send him down to Wilkes-Barre, get him ready for the season there. Yeah, and I think he's pretty much been jumped on the uh, prospect defensive chart by a couple of guys. So. Yeah sucks but it's what happens um and for what it's worth today's uh lines and pairs from the from the practice which i believe was just team one uh because i haven't seen team two lines and pairs yet running down the centers in order oh no i'll just do first line because it's carter gensel rust saw that one coming uh line two rodriguez centering zucker and kapanen that works okay. for the time being because there's Bluger centering line three with McGinn and Heinen. Okay. Hello, Bluger and the new guys. And line four, Boyle centering Simone and O'Connor. I believe O'Connor and Angela were rotating. Mm-hmm. And what else? Zahorna. Don't know exactly what happened. He, he missed practice but... today. Oh, that's right. He missed practice. Mm-hmm. I'm an idiot. Um,. But yeah, so people freaking out. Simone's in the lineup. Oh no. Oh goodness, no. I mean, Simone's in the lineup, but again, Zahorna missed practice. Zach Aston Reese is on COVID protocol and will probably be back Correct. for the regular season. And also, do do I need to clip the Jesse Marshall interview again? Let's stop <laughs> hitting a panic button on Dom Simone. Please. As a fourth liner, we're really that concerned about Dom Simone as a fourth liner. I, I don't I won't I won't go off on a pedestal about it. Go back and listen to Season 2, Episode 68, featuring Jesse Marshall of The Athletic. Skip to the interview, listen to the whole interview because it's a great interview, and specifically pay attention to the part when I ask him, or you ask him, or one of us asked him, whoever, the Penguins signed Dom Simone today because it was literally the day they signed him. That day, yeah. Does this make you nervous? And he said, no, and then he explained it. So go listen to that (laughs) and And calm down about a fourth liner, Dom Simone. Yeah, and you know what? Shout out to Jesse Marshall's uh, baby for delaying that interview enough so Dom Simone can get exactly. signed. Exactly. That's what we, we love it. Little behind the scenes action. Uh, <laughs> Little Jesse Marshall kept uh, Jesse up all night on the day we on the day we were originally supposed to do that yes. interview. So he slept through it, and again, no hard feelings. We understand you, yes, have a kid, very much so. <laughs> But then the day we of our rescheduled interview, Dom Simone signed, so we slid that question in. Mm-hmm. And the defense, uh, for what it's worth, looks as you would expect. Dumoulin Latang, Matheson Marino, Patterson on the left, because what is the fighting spot right now is the third line right side, currently being filled in by Ruidl. Mm-hmm. 
So Matheson and Marino is interesting to me. It is. That's the first time we've actually seen that that defense put together because they finally made the cuts and they're putting the whole first team basically together. So I expected Pedersen Marino, but I understand it's a very tough decision on where to put Matheson. So starting out with Matheson Marino, it's interesting. And Rue Weedle yeah. is at and the top for that for that sixth spot. Makes sense. Ricola and Friedman on the fo- on the fourth pairing, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, Ricola being in over Joseph for the start. Ricola being in this conversation at all. When wait a minute, do we have the cap space for it? Well, I mean, if you look at look at cap friendly, the Penguins currently have a twenty five thousand dollar penalty for burying Jusa <laughs> Ricola. So, I mean, if he makes the team, that's $25,000 more on the cap space, which makes absolutely no difference, but. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. I just, it's just interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, but how does he fit into the main lineup with everything if he does get brought in? He Also, Brian Boyle's contract, if he makes the team. Things just got to get figured out, but that's why they have capologists. Correct. Correct. I mean, Yuso Rikla is a premium box guy. He's great up in the luxury boxes. He, he's just shaking hands, kissing babies, doing all the right things. That's why he's up there so much. It's not because he can't play hockey. It's not because the organization hasn't given him a fair shot. It's because he's so dang good at the politics of getting people to be happy up in the luxury suites. That's why we have him up there. That's why he signed again, because he makes all the rich people happy. I sure hope he's not shaking hands and kissing babies in this economy. And in this pandemic. That's also probably not a good idea. Exactly. So, uh, in, in the old panini, it's, let's not handle, yeah. that, handle things that way. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to finish off this episode with our shout-outs and call-outs. We'll be right back. Week 3 of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for Week 4 with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any game this week to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game this weekend. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network and presented as always by DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN when you visit the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and opportunities. We're heading into week four of the NFL season. We're heading into playoffs of the Major League Baseball season. We have hockey right around the corner. We have UFC heating up with some great events at the end of the year. So make sure you get all the best odds and opportunities at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Again, promo code THPN. Let's finish off the show with our shout-outs and call-outs. We're obviously saving a call-out for last because there's a clear and obvious one that we will discuss. But let's, let's have a little bit of good news before we get to that absolutely abysmal decision by the Ukrainian Hockey League. What is your shout-out, Horwat? Uh, gather around. It's story time for my shout-out. So, um, a couple days ago. Well, this story was written yesterday. So, yesterday, this story came out that a Danish artist was given $84,000 by a museum to create a work of art. Right? That's what artists do. They're given money, and they're told, to, hey, make art for our mm-hmm. museum. People do that all the time. This man, Jens Hanning, I know, hopefully I got that name kind of right. It's an easy enough name for... Uh, for 
Danish. That is the Denmark, Netherlands, Denmark. Same. Yep, that's what I meant. I think. <laughs> um, he turned in two blank canvases and titled it "Take the Money and Run." <laughs> you genius! Oh my god! That is peak. How much art, did he get paid? Eighty-four thousand. This is in U.S. dollars. So however I much mean, it is, in, it's eighty-four thousand dollars. Euro. Eighty-four thousand dollars. Uh, he turned in two blank canvases, <laughs> titled it that, and has won the award for best artist of the year. Because you smart man. Oh my god. Because I I've gone to Carnegie Museum of Art plenty of times, and I believe it might still be there. There's a couple of canvases that look rel- fairly blank. You have to look at the deeper meaning. And there is no deeper meaning exactly. than that one. That one, no. I, I, the story makes the piece, to be quite Correct. honest. I think, for what it's worth, this kind of publicity that I forget what I was reading that on. I think Forbes? Um, the publicity that that story got may have, you know, made the museum more than $84,000 because people want to go see blank canvases now. Uh, so it works out for everyone involved. I read it on CBS News, not Forbes. It looks like the Forbes font. But For what? You don't read Forbes. <laughs> no, but I thought that's where I got that source from. But... <laughs> just art is so especially abstract art is so it can be nothing it can look like nothing to an unartistic eye but you know there is the deeper meaning behind all of this stuff and that's just funny there's no real meaning to it other than this guy just robbed us of eighty four thousand dollars pay us 20 bucks for a ticket and go see the canvases that he bought for us because i'm assuming they didn't supply the canvases if anything he made off with like what, $83,950? No, if they're big canvases, they could have been like were, 50 a piece. So, I you think, know, he probably spent yeah. a good $100 on the canvases. I'm sure he well, got some I nice think, canvases I, too. Whenever you're taking home like uh, 82 grand, I, I think you'll spend yeah. a couple grand on a nice canvas to be like, yeah, you know, I'm going to rob you high and dry, but here's a nice canvas. And if you want to actually do, do something with sh- it later, you can. Do you think he shelled out for a frame? No. I wouldn't. Uh, I, there. <laughs> I believe there's an image of what he turned in, and I don't. One of them looked like a big canvas, and it looked like, it looked like a square. So I don't know, but that's just so perfect. That's just <laughs> Chef's kiss to art, right there. Yeah, that that is amazing. That that's you have all these heist films that I love. I'm a, I'm a heist film fanatic. <laughs> you have these heist films. You have all these schemes and plans that people just love to watch. And then you have this guy that's like, yeah, no, I'll make art for you. 84 grand? Yeah, I will I will definitely do that. And then just, you know, <laughs> it's art. Listen, I've seen I've seen less compelling art everywhere. So Yes. So things on this art to be fair as well. Uh Jens Hanning, Jens Hannings, whatever his name is, is already a, an established artist. Like he this is his career. Like he's already made yeah however many pieces of art for museums yeah. and uh, public um, works yeah and the canvas is hanging in the museum so well listen they're not gonna give joe schmo off the street 84 grand and tell him to, to, to make art so clearly this guy had to have a resume before correct yeah. so i mean it's a bold decision by a guy that's established which it it's would be a lot more especially fun if, the- i mean it wouldn't be more fun it would look really stupid if this was just Joe Schmo and this is like, yeah, I'm a one hit wonder that, that that's my contribution to the artistic society. No, this guy probably is. I, I didn't expect him to be just Joe Schmo from the corner over there. Right. I mean, neither did I, but I just think it's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, plus some of these works that I'm looking at from him look very interesting. I'm into them. There, it's a lot of like the, like a lot of basic mm-hmm. art, but it's abstract and it is a lot of deeper meaning art. So the fact that he did something like this is just very entertaining, and I would say in his wheelhouse as well. All right. Well, uh, I want to move it over to another piece of art. And to me, that is the Seattle Kraken jerseys. Those are are art to me because they are gorgeous. I mean, whoever designed these jerseys, they officially get the shout-out. I know there's probably a marketing team that worked on this that probably also some people at Adidas as well. But after seeing both of them in the preseason, the home and the road, seeing what they look like on the ice, they're amazing. I mean, I liked them initially because I thought they did a great job on the logo. And I, I thought the jersey was okay. I thought it was 
a little plain. I mean, I understand there's different blues and there's a touch of red there. I thought it was a little plain from the shoulders, have everything being blue. But seeing it on the ice, it, it's it's not too plain. It looks really nice. I think it's great. It just adds to my excitement of their inaugural season coming up. And I, honestly, I, I agree. It is a work of art. I'm not going to buy one because I I, I can't. I, I, I bought... I bought a Kraken hat and I bought a Kraken shirt. That's where I'm going to draw the line for right now. But the jerseys are, are gorgeous. Money. That's why we cannot afford yeah. this. But they do look good. Like I like I literally said earlier in this episode, I like jerseys that have a lot going on. And yeah, there isn't a ton going mm-hmm. on. Whenever I brought up the Kraken jersey, it's just because it was the first one I yeah. thought of because it deserves a shout out because they are both great. I think more or less like the Florida Panther reverse retro. There's a lot going yeah, on there. Yeah, there is. But I loved that one because there was a lot going on. So with this Kraken jersey, again, looks great. Multiple different shades of blue, which, okay, you don't need that many shades of blue to switch it up somewhere. But it works for the environment of what they were going Mm -hmm. for in the branding of the team. And it also kicks the shit out of the Christmas colors they had in the early 1900s. Yes, it does. But, I mean, to be fair, they couldn't really do much when it came to clothing in the early 1900s. No, but they managed to figure out uh, striped sleeves. Yeah, I mean, that was the big thing, I guess. I don't I don't know. I wasn't alive in the early 1900s, and all my knowledge of that is watching movies like The Great Gatsby. So It's okay. You would have been going through a pandemic then, too. Well, correct, but people would have been a little <laughs> bit more... Uh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my call-out and your call-out and everybody's call-out yes. this week, and, and to, to move it to a serious note, to end it on a serious note, uh, my call-out is Andre Deniskin. And realistically, on a bigger scale, the Ukrainian Hockey League. Now, Andre Deniskin is a Ukrainian Hockey League player. He shouldn't be anymore. He, he will be. For his racist taunt towards opposing player Jalen Smerik. Jalen Smerik is from Detroit. He's been playing hockey for, for a long time, obviously. And in the middle of this game, obviously, you, you see what he did. You see the taunt. And I'm not going to explain it. I'm not going to do anything. Most of you have seen it. If you haven't, look it up. It's not going to be hard to find. I can promise you that. Regardless, it is completely unacceptable. Not only in hockey, it is completely unacceptable in the world for human beings to act like that. Smerik previously stated that he is taking a leave of absence from that league until Deniskin is punished by the league. And that was before the punishment was doled out. On Wednesday, the Ukrainian Hockey League released that Deniskin was suspended for 13 games. And in total, he is. Except, he will have to be suspended for three. He will miss three, at minimum. The final 10 games has a buyout option. Which, first of all, what kind of weird crap is a buyout option for the final 10 games? Either fine him or suspend him. In this case kick him out of the league. We'll get into what we believe here, there in a second. Let me just finish this really quickly. Now that buyout, it's not like they're like, uh, it's going to cost you. It, it would have cost him in US dollars, $188 per game or in total $1,870 to wipe out the 10, the final 10 games of that suspension it is ridiculous for something that was so blatant, something that was so yeah. disgusting, so disturbing. And listen, I, I, I understand that you know, he came out and he apologized, but even his apology was half-assed on social media. His apology sounded like, uh, I don't even know how to put it. It wasn't so much an apology as he said it was in, the, it basically sounded like in the game of hockey. That it sounded like happens. an excuse. That's what it sounded like. Yeah. Because yeah. the line that got me was that last one where he said, um, something about the, he said something about the game of hockey and like all bets are off or something along those lines. I was like, what do you mean? That's not, he talks no, about heat no. of the moment and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah. you no, know, that speaks more to your character then, especially if you're trying yeah. to say in the heat of the moment, if that's something you're bringing up, that speaks to your personal character. And that's in my opinion, that's not somebody that we should be giving a three game suspension to in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the moment of deck hockey games, maybe I've gotten a little aggressive with people like, a couple of shoves here and there, but nothing more than that. The heat of the moment doesn't turn into racist terms, racist uh, actions, like things like that's not the heat of the moment. That is pre-planned. That's stuff severe. Like, yeah. How 
And for, for like how long the video is, mm-hmm. like my, my you felt comfortable doing that. You weren't halfway through that realizing I should stop right here. You fully committed to the bit, and it's not a good bit. Also, did you see the team HC Donbass that um, Jalen Smerick is on tweet? Make a tweet in English so we can all see it. Yeah. <laughs> they tweeted in English how wrong of a. Uh, punishment it was it's because literally it's not a punishment we've seen players get longer suspensions for stuff that is way less i mean stuff that happens in the game that's okay it's incidental but listen you're gonna get a suspension no this was not incidental this was blatant this was racist and this is something that they're trying to get out of the sport of hockey but unfortunately it is still in there and you're not gonna get it out of the sport of hockey by doing stuff like saying, hey, you're suspended for three games. You can buy out the last for two grand. The last ten games we for two may... grand. He shouldn't be playing hockey this year. And by this year, I mean 2022. At yeah, least. It, it's even worse that this isn't really the first time that we've had discussions like no. this. It's not the first time the hockey world in the past 365 days have had discussions mm-hmm. like this. Maybe a little more than 365 because I'm trying to remember that Arizona draft pick. But all of this, it's all culminating from just in total like like we may scream and shout into a microphone about suspensions in the nhl mm-hmm. and you know some of those suspensions may may be wrong too but in the grand scheme of things boy did this one miss the mark by a wider margin than the nhl will ever miss a suspension you would hope on honestly you you would honestly hope and as far as the iahf there needs to be an investigation as to why this is what they're giving. Like they, 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 the IHF posted the explanation, but that was in Ukrainian. So clearly, yeah, I mean, it's just like, I understand that it's the Ukrainian hockey league, but this is a lot bigger than the Ukrainian hockey league now. Like, Oh yeah. You, you just, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't have much else to say on it because I was like, it is so blatantly awful. And the punishment was so blatantly not awful that I just I have no other words than that. Yeah, that to me neither. Really, it's uh, I didn't look into the full details of everything. I just know I saw the video because everyone did. Um, we all realized how disgusting it was first thought that clipped into my head was well this isn't the first time that something like that has been really done in sports i think um soccer players especially go Mm -hmm. through it uh all the time uh over in europe it's something that it's this isn't just a hockey no like you mentioned it's it's not a across all sports it's across all society Yeah. yeah and that's the stuff you want to eliminate i mean it's hard to even really discuss and come up with the right words to describe anything of this because it's just so horrible. But like I mentioned, if if the year 2020 and into, you know, we're getting into late 2021 has taught us anything, it's, uh, this shit is, has not gone no. away. It's still around and it's still horrible to see. And you've got to treat it... You gotta win. I don't even know what the right word would be. Not treat you gotta it, exterminate but, uh, it. Exterminate it. If you're a league and something like that happens, you gotta handle it better. Oh, yes, that's kind of what I was mm-hmm. going for. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah, nothing else. <laughs> it's 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 crazy. It's crazy that something like that can happen, and then and and you kind of felt it. There was a lot of people that were saying this is not going to be handled correctly. We we already know it's not going to be handled correctly, and you <sighs> hoped yeah that it would have been, and, and it just completely not so obviously we support Jalen Smerrick uh, his holdout and his, his leave of absence from that team and that league is understandable so obviously a lot of people have reached out to him and have have gotten in his quarter because I mean there it's the only corner to be in I don't know anybody that is defending the other guy so that's where we're going to end this episode and realistically if you haven't seen it go watch it and understand that there is literally zero place in hockey and there's zero place in society for something that blatantly racist. And it's just awful, but uh, we, we do end season two on that note. And uh, we, we move on to season three next week. We will keep 
intention to this situation. Hopefully something changes in it. And hopefully that's not the end of the story. I, I don't think it will be. But we move on to season three. We'll start next week with our guest, Wes Crosby. Horwat, this is your get. We got Wes Crosby coming yeah. on the show for the season two, three. I got to get used to that. Season three premiere. Uh -huh. We're heading into our yes. third season with the tip of the iceberg. Does it feel weird that we're about to cover the third season on this platform? Uh, yes, and I hope to cover 82 games for once. Yeah, that's true. We have not covered a full 82-game season. So, I mean, yet we've still brought content every week, most of the time, two times a week. So, somehow, some way, we have done it. By hook or by crook, uh, man. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I just... We Think just a, we we may have a lot going on. We always figure it out. We we'll always find a way. Thank or we've said thank you before. We We're have. saying thank you again. Welcome along to the ride. Keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. It's gonna be, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting season. And, and season three of the tip of the iceberg would be nothing if not for the pittsburgh penguins so we're excited to cover that team a team that is going to be without malkin and crosby that is going to be something new to us starting a season but like i said make sure you tune in to the season three premiere on monday as we are joined by wes crosby but that's going to do it for today's episode of the tip of the iceberg thank you to everybody for tuning in all season two long all 174 episodes up to this point and we're going to keep going into season three have a good weekend pens fans You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.